had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Good Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Nish Mother, and we are uh, closing in on the... Um, queer romance miniseries that's been going on since April, which is crazy. It's been it's been quite a summer. Um I'm really uh really excited about this this miniseries and especially about this movie, which I think has become somewhat of a cult classic in queer romance movies. Um but I, I'm really excited to welcome guest um Michael Pierce uh co-host of the don't know her podcast and fellow film lover and all-around great amazing guy uh on twitter and such uh but yeah welcome to the show michael thanks for coming thank you so much i love that you've been focusing on queer stories for so long um and i've listened to many episodes and thoroughly enjoy you know the highs and lows as, as we all have in our our own queer lives but yeah i'm so delighted to be here with you and for this film as well of course yeah um i yeah it's, it's it's been a lot of fun talking about queer uh queer romance movies I and mean, i love talking about queer movies and i think it opens like a, a big um you know window to talk about people's experiences and um how these movies reflect our experiences how they don't um and talking a lot about things that don't come up in more mainstream you know, heteronormative uh, movies. Um, but would you like to introduce the film for us today? Yes. So we are going to be talking about God's Own Country, the Francis Lee film, which I believe came out in 2017. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty certain. Um, and it is in some ways like an old fashioned romantic drama film centered on a queer, uh, character john played by josh o'connor and his family who are struggling on a farm i guess is the best way to set up that story and then a, an incredibly handsome stranger comes in to i guess to in, I, well i don't know i don't want i don't know if, how to express it but to shake things up but unlike many queer films particularly of you know the 90s um up to the like 2017 in quite a nice way like mm-hmm. i find this film particularly moments of it because overall it is harsh a bit like you know you know a farm life is a harsh thing at times and the central character is so kind of self-hating but once it starts opening up i think it's the most like glor- gloriously romantic thing like i absolutely love it and i put it up there with you know the best of the best sort of romantic dramas like the english patient or brief encounter or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah so um i you know this movie i think like i remember seeing this movie um uh, i saw it in the theater when it came out i think it came out um uh yeah definitely 2017 i'm trying to remember when it was i must have been i think it was the fall because you know i remember 
um, this movie was like sold out. And it only played like wow. one two, it, it only played at like one or two theaters. Um, here yeah. I was living in in New York at the time, so it's playing at like small independent theaters, and um, and these theaters like they sell out when there's like a big movie. And I remember like mm-hmm. you know, Godzilla Country came with a lot of buzz from like Sundance and and its mm-hmm. um, reputation from overseas. Um, so it was uh, it was it was a hot ticket, and I remember tweeting to the director i just like tagged him just like be like oh my god gazo country is sold out it's crazy i had to go see something else um that i didn't want to that i wasn't looking forward to as much and um uh i want to say this is kind of around the same time that ladybird came out um because i remember both of those being like the big ticket items but i don't quite remember so um, yeah but yeah so it was i mean it was a big movie and i and i ended up getting to go see it, I think about a, a week or two later. Um, and it was quite uh, quite an, an experience. And I, I, I enjoyed the movie. And I, I'd love to kind of hear about your first time seeing it, as well as like how, if you've seen it a lot since then, and how it's sort of changed for you, your impressions, your um, thoughts, kind of like what's your relationship to the movie? Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to give you a long-winded answer because I feel like there's a like there's a lot to unpack with this film in particular with myself. So I am Irish, um, but live in the UK. I grew up on a farm, um, not dissimilar, let's say, to the character uh, John grew up. But I did not work on the farm. Like it was never an intention that I would ever, you know, work on the land the way that um, that character does. Um, and I also obviously have a queer person, so I love queer stories. So it was like this combination of things that I found irresistible. And um, I exactly what you're saying about Sundance and the excitement around it. I also over here in the, the UK and Ireland, the marketing team did such a good job. Like they they partnered with Picture House, uh, which is a you know a big um cinema chain here that focus on I don't know, like unique or kind of not Marvel, let's say, types of movies. And when they champion a film, usually, you know, it, you should take notice. Um, and it, of course, had the beautiful leads on the poster. So how could I resist? But yeah. I was really nervous because I was so like, uh, stories about farm life and about being remote and being queer are sad. Like even if take a film like you recently talked about Weekend, which in many ways is more positive than you know, something like Brokeback Mountain, but it still has like a melancholic feel and ending. And and so watching God's Own Country, I don't know who I went to see it with because it feels like a very sort of solo experience for me. Um, and perhaps I did go alone. Um, and I, I absolutely loved it. And I remember crying along with Josh O'Connor's character towards the end. I remember feeling... Like, I don't know if I've seen a film that's representing this sort of lifestyle in such a complex yet grand sort of way, like a cinematic way, without it feeling too humdrum or dull or grey. And just like feeling absolutely like, isn't life great? Like, isn't film great? Isn't storytelling great? Um, So I absolutely loved it when I first saw it, told and probably forced so many people to go see it um, separately to me. I think since then I've seen it maybe three times. Um, I don't, I can't think of the, I, I can think of who I've shown it to or watched it with. And then last night watched it again 
um, with my boyfriend who had never seen it before and is not a film buff. Um, it ended and he was like, yeah, that was a, that was all right. Um, which is fine. Um, but he, he watching it with him and like, you know, you're on edge with, with a film that is special to you and you watch it and you're sharing it with someone, you're almost like watching it anew. And I guess I hadn't realized how dark it can get. Like, it's quite sad, uh, you know, the first half of it. And those characters are so, there's so much hurt in them. And I don't think I would have picked up on that the the times I've watched it before. And for whatever reason, and maybe because I'm older, it's really, that sits with me in such a different way of feeling such, like, sorrow for people who are unable to communicate and to receive love. Like they can't yeah. give it, they can't receive it. And to watch characters who I think are totally believable, you know, they're grieving for various different reasons. They're struggling. There's no real room in their lifestyle for joy because everything is so hand to mouth. Um, yeah. Because the farm is the only income they have. And I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's because you know, farming's not an industry that's doing very well. And it's something very present in my own immediate family. Um, although they do have income that comes out of uh, farming. Um, it feels very, it just hit me in a, such a different way, but it also then elevated the love story even more. Do you know, like what a dream if you were, you know, if you wanted to live on the land and do that, and then you met someone who also wants to share that with you and to find new ways to make that work. And make it sustainable yeah it just made me appreciate it even more so yeah so that's it in a very long-winded way <laughs> is my, my feelings around and also the other thing i should say being irish like in 2015 so not that far before or long before this movie came out ireland had a referendum on same-sex marriage mm -hmm. now this was a, a, a huge thing it meant like most countries don't have to have a referendum to change their constitution but ireland when it became or the republic of ireland when it became a republic it was deemed by those in power that this was a very smart thing to do so we had to listen to pros and cons to same-sex marriage oh, for months yeah. leading up to this yeah so for all the wonderful stories you can have of love with everybody whatever you're also getting like you think of it like pedophilia, grooming, you know, you know, what are gay men going to do once they have this? What else will they want? And we're like kind of largely ignoring women and trans people, all sorts of people out of this equation anyway. But it was such a intense time. And I feel like even, I know this like two years after, but still watching something like God's Own Country just sat in such a lovely way with me to be like, yeah, love, love is so important. And like companionship and we shouldn't be hating on it. We should be embracing it when we have the good luck and good fortune to find it. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I mean, it meant a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, that, that's why I'm doing this miniseries um, is to really get, you know, talk to people about how these movies really impact their, um, you know, their lives and, and kind of get these like cultural contexts, which, you know, I... I remember hearing about the referendum, but I just did not make the connection to this movie and how, um, you know, I like what you say about sort of this, um, this farm life and how it's so joyless. And that's something that like, you know, I, I've seen here in, in America, I mean, in a lot of, in a lot of Hollywood or in independent movies about just like these lives that are just so like, 
you don't really have the chance to like really experience something and like because there's just no time there's no energy there's no money and you know mm. it's 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 something that i was think about whenever there's a criticism of like oh why is this movie so frivolous about rich white people and stuff and i'm like because like yeah. they have the time and the resources to like be you know to to kind of have more you know i i don't they just like it's because they're like the one thing that we're all sort of struggling about isn't a problem for them so they have room for other problems and you know yeah um and it, and you know when i think about this movie and just like how you know how clearly this like little farm is set up in terms of like the world building and um mm. just like how it's so visceral like they don't really shy away from anything like i i i correct me if i'm wrong but i think they actually shot on a real farm and it was like working and like they just like you know the, the two actors like worked on the farm and you know to prepare that's for correct it. yeah i think they, no... they did like two days a week for a few weeks yeah um, in preparation so yeah like they're you know checking on calves like so inserting their um hand as my boyfriend said there's a lot more fisting in this film <laughs> than i thought we'd see and it's right. <laughs> involving a lot of farm animals and um, yeah. so yeah there's a lot of that um it is it's quite you're right it's visceral like you can smell everything like from the first time we see Joshua Connor's character he's getting sick in a very and there's something you're right it's very kind of visceral all of it like yeah I think it is Francis Lee has done an amazing job of capturing that yeah and yeah what I find so fascinating about this movie is something that because I had not seen it since 2017 um so it's been a number of years um and uh one thing that I, I forgot was that like even with this like daily grind of farm life of work of suffering and struggling and trying to carve out some kind of living um uh johnny josh o'connor's character still finds time to like go out and meet guys and have you know these meaningless you know one night stands or you know mm. inc- or you know um and it's like yeah there's still that like it's not that he's just this like totally sexually closed off person but actually, in, in to me, it kind of read like the only way he can channel his frustrations, his struggles, is through these like aggressive, grunty sexual encounters that are anonymous yeah. and that are you know very, um, very, very um, hidden, very like forbidden. Mm. This like he has to just like get away for twenty minutes just to like you know hook up with some with that like doctor guy in the in the trailer yeah because he can't open himself up to like a real romantic relationship yeah. he doesn't i think part of it is that he um you know doesn't have the time or the room or or the mm-hmm. like autonomy to like begin a relationship but also i think he's also using the daily struggles of farm life to kind of shield himself from like a real relationship a real romance and that um you know maybe if he like gave if he like opened himself up more i think his life would open up to a relationship and it, and and it does but um i think mm. initially he's like all about the just like you know gotta just like get in get out relationships and because mm. he's like doesn't have the time or he's making excuses and he's like like kind of shielding mm. himself he certain like it's an interesting one because one of the reasons I like this film is that I think that character, instead of like society telling him being gay is wrong, 
I feel like this man, this character's sexuality, he could be heterosexual, like he could be sleeping with women this way. Yeah. He's so he's he's like from the core, there's some sort of like loneliness and lack of of love in 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 both ways. Like you you see him living with his grandmother and with his farm uh, his father, and you there's there's no room for love between these characters. And I think it's, you know, he talks about in the film about his mother leaving, like she couldn't deal with the, you know, the lifestyle. Um, it's, yeah, and he has, as you say, opportunities, you know, the guy that he hooks up with at the Cattle Mart, he asks him to go for a drink. Yeah. And he's like, what? No, leave me alone. And he has no, like, he won't kiss these people. He won't, you know, he he has no interest in that. So you're right. Like, and even the sex is like part of his, his, um, like what he's doing. Like, he's not, he's not gone, say, to the cattle mart or to the pub for sex. It's just like when he's doing that, he's so, it so happens he can have sex. And I don't know. I think it's really, I think it's really in a, in a funny way, really wonderful to watch this and think like, He's fucked up, but he's not fucked up because he's queer. He's he's yeah. fucked up because of life. And there's something as as much as it's not pleasant to watch people that are are not in the best place in their life. Um, it's like this is wonderful because whoa, too many movies do we have gay people suffering simply because they're gay. Um, but you're right. Like the most love he shows in the first half of the film is to to the animals, particularly to a cow who then. Um, the delivery of the bull calf goes wrong and the bull calf dies. And it's like the, such a heartbreaking setup of the story. As you say, it's so well done that, you know, he goes off to the cattle mart to make some money and he comes back. And what's happened when he should be celebrated because he's made this money? Like there's a calf that's dead. And not only just a calf, but a bull calf, which would be a lot more valuable having a male calf. Um, and there's no room for them to celebrate his success instead he's left with this dead calf do you know and anyway i find it so heartbreaking but yeah it is a, it is an interesting world. but i think it's also grief i think grief is such a big thing that this family are having between them um because as, as we'll get into i assume the he he doesn't come out but his father and his gran finding out his sexuality is largely not a big deal. Yeah. You know, if anything, they're really supportive towards the end, as supportive as those characters can be. And we also meet like an old student friend of his, uh, played by the wonderful Patsy Farron. Anyone that lives in London, you can see this person on stage regularly. She was in The Streetcar Named Desire recently with Paul Mescal as Blanche Dubois and was mm -hmm. amazing. Anyway, she, she hints, or yeah, strongly indicates that um, John was kind of open or at least known to be gay during school because she's referring to you know there's a young man that he'd get on with <laughs> that she knows in Bradford which is is a world away from the farm life that he has um so yeah I I yeah I think so I agree with you in in short I totally agree with what you're saying you know I wanted to touch upon something that you mentioned um in terms of uh Johnny you know coming out not coming out would you consider this a coming out movie or not or I mean I know oh, yeah it doesn't have to be a binary but it would kind of what's your take on that 
I say absolutely not. Not coming out in terms of his sexuality anyway. I think yeah. this is a story about somebody learning how to receive and to give love. Um, so him coming out is part and parcel of that in a way. But it's not, it's it's not a it avoids a lot of the trappings of queer stories, I guess. Because another thing when it came out here, they kept referring it to like the English version of Broke That Mountain. And I can, I mean, there's obviously similarities in some ways. But overall, I'm like, these are totally different worlds. Like, this is not similar to that. Um, because his sexuality isn't, it's not that it's hidden. He's just had no way to express it in a way to anybody. So I guess, the, I mean, his grand finds out because she finds a used condom in his bedroom after um, Georgie and John have spent the night in the house alone. Um and then the dad sees him playing around with uh, John and Georgie playing around with slurry, which is literal cow shit, which I mean, is romantic, I guess, in a way, but also not for me. If anyone ever came near me with cow shit in a playful way, I would not be flirting with them. Um, but, you know, like I don't yeah. I wouldn't consider it. But what do you think? Because I guess it, you're right. Like there are it depends on the on how people have come out and their experiences of coming out, I guess. But to me, this wouldn't be. I tend to agree with you. Um, so I don't, I'm sure I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, I'm really getting tired of coming out movies and TV shows. Like I know there's definitely a, a place for them. There's a need for them, and you know, uh, you know, my coming out journey was, you know, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but it was, it was a process. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. those kinds of stories, but at the same time, like I'm kind of like I want to see more about just like queer adults who are out, just like living lives and falling in love, having sex, you know, struggling with their, with their career, their job and, and, you know, all this stuff. And I was really, I, again, like my, I guess my memory of the movie was a little different than what it turned out to be, or maybe because I'm, I'm a little older, you know, um, mm. I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie of how little like kind of like closet anxiety there was and, um, mm. or how much it wasn't like, I, like you say, like it's not really commented on, it's not really mentioned, it's sort of like understood and everyone just kind of like moves on and is just like focusing more about, as you're saying, like the love and like opening yourself up to someone and kind of seeing the mm -hmm. like, you know, like, like the see, like the seeing like the summer light, the sunlight into this like gray, harsh, yeah. you know, landscape. And um, yeah, I love this theme when, when George talks about springtime, you know, in Romania and stuff oh, and, and like, yeah. To me, like that's what this movie's about. It's about spring. It's like seeing that springtime after like a harsh, you know, emotional winter, you know. Um, and so I appreciate that this movie doesn't really have. There's no big scene of like, oh my god, they get caught having sex and like they have to like get kicked out or whatever. You know, it's just like that's just mm. not what this movie's about. And like I, because to me that just feels so like contrived when there's like, oh no, they got caught kissing. You know, it's just whatever. Um, to me, that's not yeah. that's not really engaging storytelling for me in terms of like how building tension. And to me, like the tension of this movie feels more internal. It feels more mm. understated. It's more subtle. It's more nuanced. And um, I really appreciate that this movie um, is about kind of like letting go of your, um, you know, uh, emotional barriers and as you're saying like yeah george could completely be a female character and the story would be quite similar or either mm -hmm. one of them could be a woman and it would be a different or 
it wouldn't be that different because this is more this movie's about more than just queerness it's about finding love and accepting love and kind of letting yourself experience something that you would not normally i mean i think there's of course nuances to the queerness of it not to erase that mm. at all but i do think that you know i think this movie is to me um a really great example of just a very straightforward um romantic drama that just happens to have queer people in it and that is more um the like uniqueness of this movie comes from the cinematography and the setting and the and the character specifically and kind of the mm -hmm. the world they're living in not just it's not just like oh we need to watch this like totally like it's not like i it's like um you know, like the, the queerness isn't the like central angle of it, which I really appreciate because to me that makes the romance more special and that like these are just two people who found each other and who are, you know, making it work in the circumstances that they're in. Mm. Yeah, like I think the dream is to have as many types of queer stories as possible um, so that, you know, there is always places for, you know, a coming out story or very, you know, gay male specific perspective on things um but i agree for whatever reason we have had so many particularly wide you know attractive men coming out stories for the last 30 years or whatever um that something like god's own country to me anyway stands out in such a in such a positive way and also if he was in the closet he would not be having sex in public spaces as loudly and yeah. as kind of um well, so, like, obviously, as he does, which I guess is the real answer about coming out, I guess. because there's no, in a small town like that, it wouldn't surprise me if his grand and dad knew already. Yeah. No. Well, it's just, I mean, I, um, it, it did make me laugh a little bit because, I mean, I don't know, maybe because, like, I, I don't know, my, you know, my experiences when I was, you know, like discovering my own queerness and, you know, exploring mm. all that was very different where like, I never had the experience of like seeing someone across a restaurant and just like giving that look and then going to a bathroom, you know, or like, yeah, being, you know, like I've never, like that's never been the reality for me. And, um, and I know that it's true for some of my friends, so I'm not saying it never happens, yeah. but it, I mean, especially when it's like a really small, like village, I'm like, is this, are there really that many, dl guys there who are willing to like go into a bathroom at a restaurant but hey maybe, or a, a pub or whatever no no uh, yeah no and that you is know what I mean? like, like I, yeah it's yeah. like but I, also I, on the yeah. flip yeah no go ahead please uh, on the like uh, continuing that thought like what are the chances of like you know in any context where you have to work on with somebody new and that person arrives yeah and they're the most gorgeous human being you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. like my boyfriend suddenly perked up when um Alex Sekrenu turned uh, up to the farm um, and certainly was interested in who this man was. Um, and I just think, yeah, but I love that. That's why I compare it to, or not, yeah, I guess compare it to, but include it with, alongside things like The English Patient or yeah. Brief Encounter, or these films that are so heightened, but they're so heightened and they're so, like, have such specific point of views and, and like, they feel like they resonate with you in such a strong way. Like, they're so overly romantic and, you know, they're too perfect to be real life. Yeah. But there's something really wonderful about that. Um, so, yeah. but I agree with you. Like, I, you know, I grew up on a farm and I did not meet 
and a gay person at a Calamart uh, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but, and I also would have known if I slept with someone in the toilet in my local town, everyone would know that story. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> do you know, like, so they were thinking, but that, but that's, I guess, not what Francis Lee's interested in. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a funny point because yeah, every, every, everything is just so. I not glossy, but it just feels cinematic in a way yeah. that is is wonderful. But yeah, isn't it's not it's not maybe naturalistic, which is strange because the farm stuff is very rough and everything. But it also is a you know beautifully shot, um, you know, rough lifestyle. Well, that's, and this I mean, is yeah, yeah, that is what really makes me like ponder over this movie so much. I think one of the most interesting tensions of this movie for me. Um, is I think in my first review on Letterboxd, I call this movie like wish fulfillment. And mm. I still agree with that because of everything you're saying of like, you know, it just, everything just kind of happens very, you know, um, it it does feel like a romance written by someone who grew up on a farm. And I think Francis mm. Lee did. And, um, yeah. and I think he like, I remember reading something about this movie where he was like, this movie kind of represents my own struggle to like stay working on my farm or go off to, you know, become a filmmaker. And I'm like, well, clearly you did not stay on your farm because you're a filmmaker yeah. and you're making movies with Kate Winslet now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you're at that level in your career. Um, but, uh, well, and Saoirse Ronan, of course. Um, but I, I I'm Fiona I, Shaw. No. Shaw, yeah. <laughs> I could, but, any Irish person, I'll give a shout out to. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think what I find so fascinating about this movie is that it's wish fulfillment, but it's made in such a naturalistic way. Like, everything mm. feels so real. It's so gritty. It's so, like, dirty. Mm. Like, the first sex scene happens, like, in the mud. Um, yeah. And, like, it, this movie is not, like, it's not glossy in, the, like, the Hollywood sense. I mean, I don't know that much about, mm. you know, Irish cinema mm. in general. So, mm. but this movie feels very much like, it's purposely being so grimy and so dirty mm. and so gritty because the story, it's like the tension between this like fairy, not fairy tale romance, but this like very like, you know, beautiful romance to this, like, you know, as I mean, to like the literal fields and hills and mountains. And, mm. you know, I mean, that to me that I love that about this movie. And like this movie was shot by um, Joshua James Richard, um, uh, who famously shot movies like uh, Nomadland, Oscar nominated for that. And uh, I can see the through line. He also shot The Rider, also directed by Chloe Zhao. But um, I can see the through line of those two movies with God's Own Country, which is like these beautiful vistas, landscapes, but it feels like very earthy, very natural, very like taking advantage of how things look in real life with like minimal lighting, very few filters. Like it's just very sparse and very um, uh, just like uh, very natural looking. And I mm. love that about this. I think this movie looks gorgeous. And I think it's such a, mm. like it's such a beautiful uh, use of these, you know, Yorkshire countrysides, which are so, has such a green but like you know cloudiness also i feel is really effectively mm. used like it's a harsh world but that something so beautiful can come from it is such a i don't know wonderful thing about this movie yeah it's like i guess you know we can see them being cold and it's beautiful to see like the breath coming out of their nose but we also know 
that they're not going to be actually, you know, die or in pre- peril or, you know, and I think that's the, the that's the really good balancing act that Francis Lee does. Um, even when we see like a lamb die, um, we then see another lamb using that um, wool, well, that skin um, with wool on it to as a coat so they can be looked after. And I guess, and that's done in such a, beautiful like that's the most beautiful skinning of a lamb anyone will ever see on cinema you know yeah like i don't want to see lars von trier's version of that sort of thing yeah for instance and whereas you know you're in this world you're like everything is you're right gorgeous just gorgeous and i don't know you're you're it's like you're in safe hands but you know like you know the drama might be heartfelt and it might be hard but you know that the payoff will be positive um yeah, which is to be honest, for when I think of romantic dramas, like that's what you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree, and and I think that like I want to be. I think when I watch certain movies, there's definitely a feeling of like wanting to be swept away by it, you know, especially yeah. you know romance movies. Um, and um, I love that this movie, I think, does that and uh, features very uh, tender moments and feels very, um, you know, it's very, um, it feels very grand just because this, the lay of the land is very grand, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a very, I grew up in like a smallish town, definitely not as small as this, but, um, and I, of course, like live in a more metropolitan area, but so like, to me, like, this kind of landscape is so unique and like i know it's not unique to people who are from the area um yeah you know like but it feels like this feels i mean the title itself god's own country like i it's just like it feels very like um like not biblical but just very like medieval this feels very like so something special about this kind of land and um you know, that's why I, I, I really resonate with the title because I feels like it, it feels very accurate to um, kind of like what the what the setting is feels like and how it comes across on screen. I think, um, yeah, the land is I mean, that's something I have a uh, I, I, was, I don't say strong relationship with because that sounds a bit strange, but I, like that's something I do have it I feel a connection to land in a certain way or to the earth and specific parts of the world um and this film you're right does have the space like that's kind of not of the b plot but it's sort of the c plot or d plot however many plots going on but of like you we you need to like to appreciate the land that you know like georgie is telling john like come up here and look at what this is and mm-hmm. um, look what you can do with you know one animal might die but look what you can do with their remains in the same way that like when they first get together as you're saying like when they're getting like on the mud and whatever you know josh o'connor just to want to just wants a very like no intimacy sort of rough sex and georgie wants to be to kiss and caress and feel like love and tenderness and i was just like what a wonderful what a wonderful thing to have in a film of like a world that we meet that is so lacking of uh tenderness a character coming in and being like no look around you and appreciate what you have and more than that like use that to grow and to 
to transform yourself and those around you and the land around you in a positive way. Um, so I think the land is, so, I mean, obviously it's important to the story in lots of ways, but it's so important thematically to the A plot that I just find it so like glorious, as you're saying, like just to sit there. And, and it's, that's why it feels so epic. And I do think, you know, land is, you know, from all the way to say Gone with the Wind, where they talk about Tara and the land, and da, da, like land can be used a lot as a shorthand way in film. But I think this is one of the most beautiful ways of doing it in a positive uh, spin. Sometimes it's a negative to be, you know, stuck with land or something. But this... Yeah, I think it's just so... Sorry, I just keep repeating myself. It's like such an epic, beautiful romance. Yeah. It is. yeah. And it may, like it makes me, you know, that's how I feel about the world is how Georgie uh, reflects on it. So I guess also it's just lovely to see a character who's so handsome and um, talk <sighs> that way. <laughs> I mean, the sweaters that he wears, I'm like... It's just... Oh, my Lord. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether he's wearing clothes or he's not wearing clothes, he's absolutely uh, wonderful to watch. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do want to talk about George and Alec um, Sekunu as well, because I feel like we've barely mentioned him. Like he's a co-lead of the film. I, I would love mm. to hear your thoughts on his performance and um, uh, his character in general. Yeah, it's an interesting watching it this time. I felt, uh, and I'm not like this, like, like this is not 100% my view, but I was just reflecting on like, God, this character of Georgie is so absolutely perfect. Like he's like this magical, exotic person that comes in to solve all the problems. Um, I do think he's more nuanced than that, but I would say he is given much less than the other characters to chew on. And to, like his development is kind of well yes i guess his development is development even is that he is feeling comfortable with john the, the josh o'connor's character and but i mean i think he does an amazing job with what he's given in comparison to the other actors he feels so lived in he feels appropriately like charismatic and a, like a stranger but also really inviting his his ability to be like kind of hyper masculine, but also feminine in, in ways is beautifully judged. And I could watch him having, you know, baby lambs in his uh, jacket while he sat at a fire all day. So, yeah. Um, and he's a great actor. I've seen him on stage in London. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I, I am a fan. And of course, he's in Ammonite, Francis Lee's next film in a very small part. But yeah, I guess just what rewatching it, I was thinking, God, I wish this character had slightly more. Like we did yeah. get backstory and all that, but I just wish there was just one element more to this character that would remove it from just being this sort of like magical person that's come in to solve all the problems because he's so perfect my lord the way he talks about as you say going into spring or you know how the farm could make more money or how he's like setting the table and he just knows everything he's just so perfect um but yeah what do you make of him I, I agree. And I, I think one thing that I find interesting about this movie, I mean, we talk about, you know, you, you're comparing this movie to movies like The English Patient and other, you know, I thought a lot about Titanic as well. Um, it kind of, of course, yeah. when you when you brought up English Patient of like, yeah, these like sweeping epic love stories. And of course, I think God's Own Country is what, almost an hour, probably more than an hour shorter than Titanic or The English Patient. But yeah. um, it, yeah. is, it, it is kind of interesting to think about, you know, when you think about, um, 
you know, Jack and Titanic and his role in, in, in that film versus George here, it's very similar of like the one that like opens up the world to the main yeah. character. And they has that like manic pixie dream boy kind of quality to it. But mm. there are these little moments where he shows some kind of, you know, interiority or has some, it's mm. not, he's not just some like, you know, cardboard cutout character, right? Like he, you know, I love the part when he like they have that you know um, discussion about the word about like the the word gypsy and and his hometown yeah. and like he does have this thing where like he also has opinions and how he helps him with the farm and just like that he has a perspective. I mean, as someone that's probably has seen a lot of suffering and who is yeah a native or in you know a immigrant to this country where I don't think. He's being welcomed with open arms, most likely. Um, no, and that is, a, that is, and yeah, that is a huge part of it too. I mean, this wasn't filmed, so Brexit, for those who may not know, but is where um, the UK voted to leave the EU. Um, and so like, there's huge, there's huge, uh, what would you say, racism in lots of ways, yeah. in lots of countries. But yeah, a specific sort of racism for someone like Georgie would exist. Right. Yeah, it- exactly. So, um, um, so yeah, I, I, but that he still has such a open mind, such a like, mm. he can be so positive. He can have like, you know, he's someone that has seen a lot of suffering, has a lot of problems, but still, like, again, like, sees a springtime. Like, I can get back to that. Mm. Um, and that, like, um, and that you feel his absence, you know? Like, at the ending of this movie is so powerful yeah. because once he's not, you know, the fact, like, Johnny has to go back and get him because that absence is just too much to bear. And you can't, once you meet someone like George, you can't just turn around and like have your life be the same because it's not like you're in love he has a different outlook and you just need and the fact that like it's i kind of feel like they go back to work on the farm because maybe it is francis lee kind of rewriting his own life and being like hey maybe if i had Mm. met you know a gorgeous you know a gorgeous farmhand i would have stayed back um but it's it's it's, i mean it's just like it's a beautiful character and i i think Alex Zuckerman's performance is so strong that it does kind of mm. elevate maybe the more like two dimensional parts of it that feel very much like, you know, a stock, a stock character that just there to like be the love interest. But I think his performance is so compelling and it's such a, mm. um, he's such a, you know, wonderful find. I mean, I think this was like, I think this is both of theirs, like kind of breakout role, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I also love, before we move on from um, Alec, this moment, like there's enough like moments of his character having this like personality that's at odds with the rest of the people at the farm, but that he robs their like, you know, biscuits at the t- t- dinner table yeah. to then go yeah, back yeah. to his own um, space. I don't know what it is about, and he takes them out like whenever he's like for the next few scenes when we see him alone. And I take such, I don't know, joy. I mean, that's something like I would do perhaps. Um, so yeah, hide your biscuits if you invite me over for tea. But I just think it's absolutely like a wonderful little character trait. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what is about him, but you're right. I think I think he's wonderful. I think it's a real shame he's not done lots more uh, film. I think he has made uh, Romanian films, but I could be wrong on that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, he's not in many English language films. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting because, you know, Josh O'Connor, I mean, his career explodes after this. Like, he's on The Crown. He yeah um, was, of course, did a lot of theater. And um, he was also in, um, oh, yeah, he was in Emma, which I really loved, that movie. Um, <laughs> the one with um, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy uh, from a few years ago. And, and he's um, cast as uh, Mr. Elton, who's the, like, really annoying vicar yeah. you would want to end with, which I find so funny but yeah um, um and he's gonna it. he's gonna be in the new um luca guadagnino movie which just got you know mm. challengers which unfortunately is coming out in next year um so mm. it, it's it's it, his career is really exciting but i do feel kind of bad that um alex lacrano didn't have that same opportunity but i think we all know maybe why <laughs> Um, yeah, for for a few because also yeah. Josh O'Connor, despite I I remember this happening when I first saw the film and then I went and listened to a podcast and I was like, who is this posh man speaking? And it was Josh O'Connor, um, and he in the film he has this very what I would say is good, although I'm no expert Yorkshire accent. He to me he felt like someone who lived on a farm. Yeah, but then listening to him, he's like the poshest voice. Or well, to me, my I guess my my Irish experience like has a certain kind of type of English voice all sounds the same to me, but it sounds it's very posh sort of person. <laughs> so he's um he's probably well connected, I would say, yeah. Josh O'Connor. I, I always seem to get him mixed up with um Josh O'Connell. Josh O'Connell. Oh yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Josh O'Connell, yeah. Um I don't know much about him. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean he's he's definitely not as big i don't think i mean he's been in a lot of stuff and he's a little older too um yeah but the great um, actor from what i remember yeah yes. yeah uh yeah well i wanted to talk i mean okay one thing that i find really interesting about this miniseries is that like a lot of these movies tend to have a lot of um a lot of sex scenes a, a lot of eroticism mm. you know you've talked about you know weekend and my beautiful laundry and carol mm. um and desert hearts which all feature you know and i want to talk to you about the sex scenes in this movie because I I really you know we talked about the one of the mud and of course the ones that are like in public or or whatever but um, I found them to be really I always find sex scenes fascinating in queer movies just because it's to me it always feels more political more you know intentional uh, what they show mm. what they don't show what's being you know what's what's being done how the actors are reacting and um, and how the you know kind of it, it just fascinates me especially when it comes to international movies or um independent mm. movies because those seem to be a little bit more daring a little bit more frank um but what would you like kind of what's your take on the on the on the sex scenes of the movie and how it kind of relates to the romance and the characters um in the film um i guess my thinking on the sex scenes here is that they're not they're not overly gratuitous, like they're all part of the story, but they are similar to what we've talked about with lots of other films. They are like, in a way, beautifully shot and, you know, the, you know, the way, in the same way as Titanic or The English Patient. Like, I do think that it fits in more with those sorts of molds. Um, yeah. Now, we don't, I, after the first sort of, I'm talking about Georgie now and um, John, once we see them have sex in the mud and then uh, another time like we like by the time like the bit where the grand finds the can't use condom we never see that sex like we don't yeah. see we just assume they have sex which i guess is a really good indication of like we didn't need that in the story in another sort of 
queer film or another film, you would have a lot more sex, perhaps with characters like that, because that's part of their journey. But their journey isn't about sex. Their journey is about yeah respect and love and tenderness. Um, and the other sex scenes, which are John with um, random men, let's say. Um, I mean, the first one is very sort of porn-esque. Like, it's the sort of sex where I'm like, are either of these people are actually enjoying this? Because A, it's short. B, it seems a bit painful from, yeah, from right. what, but like a little bit of spit is never going to help in this scenario. I, I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I'm not against it. And I don't, I know that it's been true. Uh, like that sort of sex does happen and all this sort of thing and this heart and all that. But I find it, it's not gratuitous because part of the story, but I guess it's like overemphasizing how not personal that sex is and how little John cares about the other person's pleasure or interest, really. I mean, he's, he just wants his release for a few uh, minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't. But it is. It's a beautifully shot, mostly, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Like we see them naked, um, just talking, and then they're in a bath and things like that. It's just yeah. very sort of, like matter of fact, the sex. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not even. Say even in Carol, do you know, like they make they get to that moment, and it's such like a climax. It's not a climax like this here. It's just like part of the story. Yeah, do you know, to me, the climax of their relationship is when um, the dad and the gran are in the hospital, and John uh, comes back into the house, and Georgie has is making food, and he's put daffodils on the table, and there's two pints or two cans of beer like to me that is like this is it like this is the dream as opposed to usually it's like okay we fucked and this is this is our dream you know like this is the pinnacle of what we can achieve even think about titanic them having sex in the car that is like the high point of their relationship and so yeah i think god's country does a really good job and i mean it, it helps that the two men are absolutely the most beautiful people you could have um having sex maybe so yeah i i i think what's interesting to me is like i haven't thought about um what you mentioned about like sort of it's not this like pinnacle climactic moment you know and that like their love story extends you know you're right in that like a lot of movies feature the sex scene as like the climactic you know and you know culmination of all this this you know romantic and sexual tension but in this movie that's just kind of like step one of their relationship and, and how it progresses. Um, I'm always of two minds of that, like movies about like gay men where there's a lot of like anonymous, like have a lot of anonymous sex. Cause I'm like, mm. it does like, it's like on one hand accurate, like I know that happens. And I mean, we've all been there. Um, yeah. And, but on the other hand, how I'm dare like, you? I know, <laughs> I know right. <laughs> um, I, on one hand it, it is accurate, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, that's such a stereotype of like, you know, gay men having anonymous sex and, you know, hooking up all the time. But I'm like, it is accurate, but it is a stereotype. Yeah. And it's like, um, and I agree with you that like, there's something where I'm just like, I, I, as I'm getting older, the more I'm like, I just don't understand like the, like the like physics of it or the, like the biology, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, it feels very different. And I'm like, or it feels very like, um, it's not unrealistic, but I'm just like, I need to know because like we all know how much can go into like, you know, how much like prep work and how much of like there's a lot of anxiety <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, I just don't know like 
if that's happening, you know, it's just a lot of questions that I always have. <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, yeah, they're, they're like, all of that is true. I, yeah, you're totally, I guess I wasn't even thinking about those sort of things, but you're dead. Yeah. You're totally right. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion in film, in general, in stories about, you know, gay men in particular. Um, I, I feel empowered by, you know, we are, as a community, you know, sec- sexually free to do what we like in a in a responsible, consensual way, yeah. um, which this film is definitely uh, depicting. Um, but I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm also yeah, I because I, it, it's a fantasy. Like, I guess there's practical things. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> a film I watched the other day, like A History of Violence, and I was like, Maria Bello is not going to be comfortable on that stairs that Viggo yeah, Mortensen right. is fucking yeah. around, you know. <laughs> um, and it also happens, as we all know too, of like, well, Broadway Mountain is almost the funniest example of not funniest, but the most, I guess, used example of a queer film where it's like, what the hell? Like, what the hell is going on there? Um, yeah, yeah. When, you know, he literally just spits a bit on him and Jake Gyllenhaal's bent over and it's like done within a few seconds. I wouldn't even say minutes there. And you're like, what the? Um, but, you know, no queer people, it seems like we're involved in the making of that story. Um, I, I so, yeah, it is, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I definitely find it empowering. I think, like, you know, I'm a strong believer that like queerness in inherently is protest because we're you know mm-hmm. protesting against heteronormativity, patriarchy, uh, oppression. Like that is very true, and I am also empowered by very frank, very open depictions of queer sex. You know, across all across all genders in the spectrum, across all sexualities in, in the umbrella of queerness. Um, so I agree with you that I, I find it empowering, and I find that like. Yes, of course, it is a part of our lives. Even, even if people don't engage in it, it, it's, it is a part of the, the, the life. It's a part of our identity. Yeah, it's, it's part, part of, of the identity. fabric of our um, community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so I agree. And I also agree that like the fantasy of the movie, of course, you don't need to worry about the practicalities of it. But it is always on my mind because like, you know, it's just like. Yeah, but to be honest, like yeah. if they are the way, you know, the world they're living in and like I was joking earlier about throwing cow shit to each other and whatever. Like, yeah. I think maybe the, the practicalities are different for yeah, those true. characters than they would be for for us. And, you know, they're practically different for different people in different scenarios. And all this. So, but yeah, I think I do think Francis Lee does such a good job of. Um, of like the connection between them isn't. Isn't a sexually based one. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I didn't really reflect on the sex scenes in the film much, and I can't really think of Ammonite and how that depicts sex um, between Kate. I assume they have sex, although I don't know if that does happen actually in the movie between Kate Winslet and Sir Ronan. I think I what's interesting is that like there, the sex scene in the mud is so aggressive, so grunty, so frank, but. Mm. It's like as their relationship develops and as Johnny starts to um, mm. warm up and, and kind of open it, open up a bit more emotionally um, and be more willing to accept love from George. I, I think what what I find beautiful about that is that their interactions become more intimate. So like it might not be we're not mm. seeing sex scenes, but we're seeing a lot of intimacy, a lot of connection, a lot of building of trust and building of um, some kind of like emotional bond beyond the sex, but then we also, but you know, because they're they have a lot of chemistry of all sorts. They have like very romantic chemistry. They have very sexual chemistry that 
it doesn't, it's not that like their relationship becomes like more, you know, chast as it goes along. It's more that like they're building upon something with more than just their mm. sexual chemistry and, and that their romance starts to, you know, really take shape. And I think that's, I think a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful depiction of how these relationships can, you know, develop beyond just having, you know, angry, fighty sex in the mud. <laughs> yeah. And I do think the film represents, you know, and this will certainly be true of, of my experience, um, if I'm oversharing, that's fine. Um, but of, you know, having sex in a in a very sort of practical way of like, I just want to, you know, have my fun and I want no ties whatsoever. And then it's sort of like, meaningful connection with someone and I think that actually as you're describing is really is really beautifully done and I hadn't really thought about it um yeah and I yeah so I I I, so I like the sex scenes but mainly because there's part of this journey of John's character learning how to embrace the good opportunities that are around him Yeah. yeah Um, do you mm. have any final thoughts, any scenes you want to mention or any moments of the film you want to highlight uh, before we finish up our discussion? I uh, I guess the only, there's two things maybe. I think it would be wild not to mention Ian Hart, who plays the dad, who does a beautiful job um, of, again, someone like John who's really closed up, but then, you know, finds opportunities to ease into communicating with his son in a beautiful way because he literally loses the ability to speak and move and be independent um throughout the story and like there's this beautiful moment where they're touching you know john is communicating what he wants to do in the future and then also in the same vein Gemma jones who most people will know best probably as bridget jones's mother yes um as a grandmother who is so stoic and so cold to a point where it's almost kind of unbelievable. Yet I've, you know, we've probably all met people like that who are so set in their ways and have had kind of a hard experience of life. And um, But she has a real, she's really great in the film. I think she's such a key to the film working in terms of finding you know, her she her dedication to the land comes from just this sense that that needs to happen. There's no real love there. But she does seem towards the end, like, understand that John does need things to love to make the his, you know, day-to-day work. And I think that's really beautifully done without being explored too much to derail the main story. Um, and yeah, and I also think my last point, my thing that I would reflect on watching it again last night was, how wonderful it is to have a film that's encouraging people to be more vulnerable, like to be able to put themselves out there to find happy love. Because funny enough, all the examples we've actually used for romance, romantic stories, Titanic, The English Patient, Brief Encounter, are all sad stories. Like they're tragedies, you could say in a way, although, you know, obviously they've happy endings with Rose can ride a horse and doesn't have to go side saddle and things like that. But you know, they are ultimately the lovers don't get to be together. Whereas this, like, is such a rewarding thing to be like, yeah, I'll put myself out there in such an extreme way for some other person and for this hope of happiness. 
and you get all that happiness back. Like I've no doubt that these two people are still living on that farm, making a great, um, you know, business out of it, making, you know, sheep cheese and just, I don't know. So yeah, that's, they're my final little bits on it, but yeah, I'm so glad to just reflect and to rewatch it because I, it's always a film that I think of fondly, but I'm not sure I would throw it on, you know, on a random Tuesday night if it wasn't for yourself encouraging me to do so. So I'm very grateful. I will, I mean, I'm grateful as well for the opportunity to watch it again after so many years. And I ended up having to buy it. Uh, it was on Tubi for a while, but I, it got taken mm. off. Um, so I ended up buying it uh, because I'm like, you know, I... I always prefer to buy a movie these days and just to rent it yeah. because like, you know, I rediscovered this movie and it was such a beautiful experience and um, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. And I'm really glad that you were here on the podcast to talk about it and to share thoughts about it. Um, and I appreciate you opening up as well, because that's one of the, that's one of the things I want I wanted to do in talking about queer movies with queer people is to like get a good reflection of their experiences with the film and how it you know how it shapes their own their own lives and and thoughts and experiences um uh michael please uh let the listeners know where they can find you and about your wonderful podcast and anything else you are working on that you'd like to share about yes so uh, the podcast i do with my co-host and friend uh, scott thompson is don't know her where we talk about actors and filmmakers uh, who we feel are underappreciated. So, you know, that can be anyone from, well, Fiona Shaw. We've actually probably mentioned quite a few people. I, one day we will do Gemma Jones, who I, I absolutely love. Um, but uh, we do like Fiona Shaw, even people like Diane Weiss. So you can be an Oscar winner and still be underappreciated. And uh, yeah, we have a great old time. Mira Margulies. There's a lot of fun characters that we do um, and people. So yeah, do find us. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter at don't know her underscore pod, and my personal handle. Sorry, do we say Twitter? I'm so I'm such an old man. X to is that? No, no, it's Twitter. X or Twitter. I refuse to use X. I refuse. <laughs> okay, well, X or Twitter. I'm Michael underscore Piers, where I usually just retweet things that I find funny or people that articulate things uh, better than me about films and culture and media and politics. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And I've nothing at the moment to plug. Um, but if you follow me, you'll find out. I'm sure there'll be some fun things that I'm trying to trying to get people to engage with. Um, but yeah, well, so thank you again for having me. Well, thank you. And you know what I love about your podcast is that uh, you do talk about people that are more, you know, more well known, like Diane Weiss, but could you know always, you know, she she's working so much and she's done so much that. Um, you know, she does. It feels like it's never enough appreciation that we can give her. Um, but you also find people that are more obscure and more people that I hadn't really considered as someone to hear a podcast about. But uh, once once I do, or and, and once you've covered them, then it's like, oh yeah, that's fascinating career, um, a lot of amazing roles and choices. Um, so I appreciate that. You know, you find a, a good balance of like really out there topics, but then also people that. You know, I'd love to hear more about and people that are, you know, 
like like the Diane Weist or um, has been, have you done Angela Bassett? I feel like I remember that. Episode. We did do Angela Bassett. Yeah. Well, this is yeah before yeah um, Black Panther um, two and the but even it's like she's someone yeah. that I'm like yeah like more podcasts should be about Angela Bassett and also more yeah. obscure people. So I, it's a great listen. Highly recommend um, everyone subscribe. Please. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I, again, no, I don't say X in this house. Uh, find me on Twitter <laughs> at Vertigate314. Also follow the podcast at the Positive You. Um, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, next episode is the grand finale of the Queer Romance Mini Series, where I will be talking about Brookback Mountain, my favorite queer movie, um, with, with someone who is going to guest host for me. It'll be kind of a fun experiment and, and uh, kind of turn the tables a bit. Um, and also, the long-awaited finale of the Bad Romance miniseries on The Shining is coming up very soon. Um, my guest and I have had um, uh, some... We've had to kind of reschedule a few times because of busy schedule, so that's finally happening, so we'll get to that as well. Um, kind of an interesting break, you know, between queer, queerness and The Shining. Uh, but it'll be it'll be exciting. I'm really excited to talk about that um, with my guests there. So look out for all that. Michael, thanks again so so much. It was such a pleasure. I uh, would love to have you back on the podcast at some point, and also have your co-host on here as well. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, and thanks for listening. Thank you all. Bye.